Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. And today is Monday, and that means that it's Movie Monday, and we have a theme for this week. The theme this week is artificial intelligence. So we will be discussing the 2017 film. It's available on the DeepMind YouTube channel. It's, in, it's entitled AlphaGo. How are you this morning? You're actually still muted. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing fine. I'm, it's a very good morning this morning in Colorado, and I'm looking forward to this episode and uh, uh, the uh, movie on AlphaGo, uh, artificial intelligence, and the game Go. And uh, actually, uh, for those who have don't know anything about Go, and there's a lot of people who don't, uh, a lot of people who do, uh, and also about artificial intelligence and how does that go together. Uh, AI or artificial intelligence plays a game with different types of, of mathematics. And so it, it uh, AlphaGo is not about, uh, it doesn't beg the question, uh, is there going to be a beta Go? Uh, no, is there going to be a alpha stop? No, no, no. It's all about artificial intelligence and the game Go. Mm-hmm. Right, David? Yes. And I was reading the AlphaGo Wikipedia page before this. And this was really just the beginning, obviously. And I think you can ask a question with AI, with technology, with anything. What's going to happen in AI? What's going to happen in technology? And I think the answer is always, it's going to advance. So AlphaGo, um, they ended up calling it AlphaGo Master because the initial algorithm was trained on games by masters. So AlphaGo learned how to play based upon the way that human masters played. And then the second iteration was called AlphaGo Zero. And that was, you didn't feed it any games from human masters. AlphaGo, this is not in the film, but this is just my reading. AlphaGo Zero learned by just playing itself. And that sort of became a generalized artificial intelligence called AlphaZero, where you would feed it the rules of a game, you would have it play itself, and that became the most powerful chess player on the planet. And now there's a new form that I hadn't heard about until I read the Wikipedia this morning called Mu Zero, which is where you don't even feed it the rules and it figures out the game. So I don't know how that works, but um, so it is advancing. It's advancing rapidly. And this movie, the fascinating thing about it is that even though it's about computer programming and a game where you're just placing tiles onto a board, there was a striking amount of emotion in it. Would you, you wouldn't you agree? Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, what I read uh, is that uh, they first look at, uh, you can look at trees in artificial intelligence and analytics, you can look at trees to see all the different moves and then, and then find the optimal, uh, uh, the optimal moves for a tree. Uh, but they're not doing that because there's so many of them uh, that they're just using uh, a, a Markov chain type approach which looks at a series of moves and the probability of the next series of moves and the probability of the next series of moves. Uh, and then they start creating some kind of a tree. Uh, but the tree, it has probability connections and is probability driven. And uh, But then they use a feedback system with deep learning, uh, but a feedback system with learning and deep learning to where they teach itself on where the best probabilities are. And so they're applying it to the game. The question is, how can this be applied to other things as well? Uh, and when we start making decisions uh, that have multiple outcomes, 
And when I saw the movie, uh, I think the first thing I thought of is that the uh, the movie was about artificial intelligence and the game Go, uh, but it was really about the intersection of machine and humans and how humans will address the machines. And so, yes, uh, we do have the mathematics. We do have, and actually the mathematics was not invented by humans. Mathematics is just knowledge that they're gaining that was always been there. They're just putting it together in a form that can be used. Mm -hmm. That's all they're doing. They're not creating any. I, this is my opinion. This is my philosophical opinion. They're not creating anything. They're discovering things. Uh, and it's just, it's just uh, how do humans deal with a computer doing what they're doing better, faster, more efficiently? Mm -hmm. And I think this man-machine, uh, human, and algorithm uh, connection. I think that's what a lot of the film was about. At least that's what that's what struck me. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the film, because I did think that the film actually had a lot of heart, even though it was about computers, and there was emotional parts to it, and and I felt bad for Lee Sedol during his his run against AlphaGo when he was losing, and he was clearly clearly upset, and I don't blame him. Because people said, even more so than chess, Go is a game that you put your identity into. Go is a game, it's like an art form, the way that you play it. And it's not just, I don't know, running a 100-yard dash. There's, there's some sort of art to it. And when a machine can imitate human creativity and do it better than a human who's considered the best in the world at it, that's sort of disheartening in a way. And you felt bad for Lee Sedol while he was getting beat. Yeah, like in one of the games, there was one move, uh, move 37. Mm -hmm. And he said, up until that time, I thought it was playing a machine. But at that point, it began to change. I think this machine was being creative. Yes. And that's one thing that humans hold on to of being creative. And machines are not creative. They're do what they're told. But can a machine be creative? Well, the move 37 indicated the possibility that our definition of creativity from a human perspective can be done by a machine. Yes. And um, so with Alpha Zero, because I've watched some Alpha Zero chess games because I found it fascinating. That's the uh, successor to Alpha Go. Mm -hmm. A lot of chess experts were calling it alien chess. It was doing things that the traditional engines wouldn't do and moves that had never been thought of before in chess and chess is a pretty well optimized game you know we've been playing it for years there's fewer so there's fewer total solutions than in go that's why go was a much more difficult task than chess but when alpha zero started playing they were calling it alien chess and it reminded me of the stephen hawking quote i'll put it up on screen right now um good and this happened in alpha go as well with uh, move 37, it's like, oh, I think that he's made a mistake. Oh, wait, that actually works. Um, the thing about smart people is that they seem like crazy people to dumb people. That is a Stephen Hawking <laughs> quote. That's, that's great. So um, when Alpha Zero or Alpha Go performs moves that defy orthodoxy, that no human would see, that they put something there and they said, that's not according to Hoyle. That's out of left field, it seems crazy, but it's actually smart. And and that's sort of fascinating how 
of course, it's easy to go and put AI into a situation where it's a game strategy and there's a finite rule set. And it can optimize for a certain outcome, which is, you know, victory over its opponent. And it's difficult to see, you know, how AI will handle more generalized environments. Um, but when you have it uh, in, in a game environment, it'll do things that humans haven't thought of. And humans will realize, well, we've been playing this game for thousands of years and maybe we haven't completely optimized it yet. Well, uh, in business, there we can use optimization to solve business problems. And there have been articles that say, you know, a company began using optimization to help them make decisions. They began to realize their decisions could be made better with analytics and optimization. And if they began to learn how to think optimally. But then they stopped using the programs because they thought optimally and one goal but then they changed the programs to give them different goals. Mm -hmm. And so the thing of it is, is that you can program to have a certain objective. Uh, like in Go, uh, the objective is to win. Uh, it's not necessarily to win for a certain amount or how much. How, it's not the how much you win, it's winning. Mm -hmm. they, they, they can do some gambits to, to win in a, in, a, in a small amount as long as they win. Uh, the point is, is that humans uh, will make a decision with a feeling with things without really identifying what they are, and they call it a feeling. Uh, a machine will not do that, but it can do that as you begin introducing things into the algorithm and into the pro processes and the different types of things that interact with one another in the analytic part. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fascinating. And I think that humans... Uh, when they start, they need to understand what the machines are doing to know their strength, their ability, but also their limitations, uh, because also the danger. Uh, in the past, in our history, uh, we've used machines to do something we want to do, but then that capability does not have a morality or an ethics to it. It can do things damaging as well. Mm -hmm. Also, it'll achieve its goal without thinking about any of those externalities. Like when a exactly. human does something and, I don't know, a bunch of people die, they say, oh, crap. I didn't think a bunch of people would die. Let me change my behavior. An AI that's optimized to achieve one goal, if they kill a bunch of people in the process, they don't care that they've killed people. Or that, that may not be programmed into the its decision, right. decision matrix. So it says, I achieved the goal. Therefore, I'm operating successfully. Let me continue to operate that way. Yeah, I think we've seen sci-fi movies that that mention that too. Mm -hmm. But that's really true. That that is that is true. It, it is it is true to a certain extent. Uh, but when you give uh, some algorithms, a series of algorithms uh, that work together, a goal, they're going to achieve it. The question is, does it have to be one goal? Can there be multiple goals? If those multiple goals are weighted, uh, then you move into uh, different types of uh, uh, decision analysis which I think that's exactly what people are starting to do, mm -hmm. which, is a, which is a good thing. So I think the education of humans to machines, when machines began doing what humans do, and I think that uh, uh, a lot of times science advances faster uh, than the ability of humans to understand the capabilities 
and the the breadth and depth of what science can do. Yeah, it it advances much faster than humans can understand uh, how to use it. I'm reminded, and also you know, intelligence we don't really understand it. Um, so Alpha Zero or Alpha Go can play millions of matches against itself and iteratively improve. And I'm reminded of during the poker boom. I don't know if you remember when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker and then it was started being on TV everywhere. And there was this big craze, I think in the mid-2000s. Well, there was this old guard in poker, people like uh, Doyle Brunson, um, older, older men who'd been playing poker their whole lives who were considered masters. And they could sit down at a table and they could school these young kids. Well, after the poker boom, it was a matter of years before these young kids were schooling the masters. And they were saying, how are they able to do this? And the answer was, in Doyle Brunson's time, when he came up in the 60s and 70s, he would have to find some card room and he could play. And he might be able to play from four in the afternoon till two in the morning, but then he'd have to go home. And then he'd come back the next day at four in the afternoon and he would sit at that table and play. These kids, 23, 24 years old, they can sit in front of a computer with 10 card tables up and play 24 hours a day. The card tables never close. They're playing on the internet. They're seeing as many hands by the age of 25 as he saw between the ages of 21 and 50. Um, so they're becoming masters in four years because they can do this iterative approach using computers. And imagine if you had a computer processor as a brain and you could play millions of games simultaneously. Um, and I kind of see that that's sort of the secret sauce of iterative deep learning AI. It's, it doesn't have to play the games in real time. It can play them out in fractions of a second. That's absolutely right. That's correct. And, and actually, the movie even mentioned that. Uh, the movie mentioned that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, is, it is intriguing. It's intriguing to talk about uh, learning, intelligence, uh, and how computers do it. But I think the movie... Uh, really brought in the the human part, like how do humans deal with it? And uh, Fan Wei was was Fan Wei was great. Yes, uh, he he was he was when he when he got beat. Uh, I, I love the first part. He says, "I I'm, uh, I'm for troubled." Con for context, Fan Wei was a two don, so it goes up to nine don. He was a two don Go master. That was a professional European Go player. And they called him into the offices to play out an early iteration of AlphaGo before he faced the world champion. And then that early iteration of AlphaGo defeated him five to zero. Um, that's just the story of Fan Hui. So after he got beat, right. go on with your story about how. How, how the dialogue that he had uh, for the movie was, was, was great. I think it really set the stage for the rest of the movie. Uh, Fan Hui was saying, uh, I'm troubled. I worry about. Uh, uh, I'm starting to rethink myself. Uh, what am I? Who am I? And it came to me. It came across. It struck me that yeah, a lot of identity of Fan Wei, but not just Fan Wei, just humans. And he was telling us, he was educating us. I think a lot of our identity is our intelligence. That we are smart. Therefore, we are. Uh, and I think that when that becomes challenged, uh, there's an element of humans saying, wait a minute, who am I? Am I really who I, who I am? Mm -hmm. You know, and so 
uh, I, I'm good at this, but then if someone's better, how does that affect my identity? And I think uh, that started uh, the, the uh, human uh, and the machine or well, man machine or, or human algorithm uh, interaction and how do humans uh, perceive this and, and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And fan, and fan, I, I love that first part. I go, wow, that's very interesting. How fun we talked, and then they hired him, uh, and then he worked with them uh, to develop uh, AlphaGo, and and they went over to uh, to uh, Korea, at least Korea, at least at all, yeah. So yeah, Fan We, I think he was the linchpin really that held the whole movie together, because yeah. he had he was the, great. He had the best quotes. I think he was more personable and outgoing, and he was more reflective than either the team of uh, programmers, artificial intelligence, and engineers that made AlphaGo. And he was more expressive than even Lee Sedol, AlphaGo's eventual final opponent in the movie. So he sort of was able to comment on it from both sides because he was a player that got beat by AlphaGo, and then he started working for DeepMind to help them sort of sharpen up the edges on AlphaGo before it faced a world champion. And and I, I really thought that he had a lot of insight and wisdom just based upon the, the clips they pulled for to show of him speaking in the movie. And so he added a lot of insight and wisdom into what the movie was ultimately about. And then when they went to to Korea, uh, to Seoul, and they played Lee Sedol, which was a nine Dan uh, player. Uh, Fan Wee, com- Fan Wee's commentary was was always uh, a very insightful. And uh, Fan Wee began saying, I, I feel sorry for Lee Sedol. I know how he feels because he felt the same way. And people who derive uh, and and formulate the, the algorithms and the software and they're achieving their goal sometimes we'll miss uh, the, the, the human drama uh, that are getting beat by this, but that fan, we did not miss that. Mm-hmm. He saw that. He saw that. And I feel sorry. I feel sad. Not sorry for, but sorry with him, because I felt that way too. Uh, and so he knows, he knew how Lisa Dahl was feeling when he got beat. And he said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play a machine. I can be the, this machine uh, because I'm a human. Yeah. But, the machine could mimic a human better than the human uh, in that area. Or it could play that game. And, but I think like what you said, people really value their intelligence, but they really value the applications of their intelligence. So I think that they value Go as an indication that they are a creative person, that they are a creative person who can solve problems, that they're a creative person who can take a look at this vast game with a limitless number of combinations and sort of apply their creativity and intelligence and win. And when you can develop an algorithm that can do it, it sort of strips something from their vision of their own humanity. Um, it would be like if you could make a robot that could play the piano, and the robot was a pair of hands and a pair of eyes, and it saw sheet music, and it could play it perfectly. That would, that would be, I mean, it would be kind of disheartening for someone that had practiced piano for their whole life. Um, I don't know. But I do think that you said, you know, Fan Hui understood what Lee Sedol was going through. But I also feel like the DeepMind team was very good at not gloating because it was clear that Lee Sedol was suffering some emotional distress from being beaten by a computer. And 
the team, even though they were all computer scientists, they had enough empathy and emotional awareness to realize this wasn't a time to gloat. I mean, this was they they I I feel like they handled it pretty well. Both sides, both Lee Setal was gracious in defeat, and the Deep Mind team was gracious in victory. That's right. They understood what you just said, but they hadn't experienced it firsthand. But Fan we had, mm-hmm. and and I think he could he could he could empathize with Lisa Dahl better. And, and I you say I think Fan Wei was was really the glue that carried that the theme of the movie through. Mm-hmm. But it showed the effectiveness and uh, the success of the algorithm and the analytics. Uh, but it also saw the humanity of how you have to be careful how you use machines uh, moving forward. But also, um, they also brought out the the creativity of Go and how, yes, uh, like Move 37, and I think it was the second game, or the, maybe the third game. He won the fourth game, but uh, move thirty-seven. Goes that was so surprising, like you mentioned. But the, when they began talking about that, it says that that's creativity. That's creativity. Well, maybe a machine can discover something that a that a human would define as creativity, but the machine itself does not have creativity as as a goal. Mm-hmm. In other words, what the people see, what humans see as something that is mathematically indicated can be to them creativity, but to the algorithm, it's just the next step of, of a probabilistic analysis and extensions and, and, and estimations. Yeah, it reminds me of Inspirobot. I think I've showed you this before, right? Uh, yeah. So in Spyrobot, this guy was, he was seeing people post on their Facebook pages, um, those square images with the, with the inspiring saying. And so he, and of course this is, it's like comparing, I don't know, um, it's like comparing a sandcastle to the Empire State Building. But he said, what if I fed an AI a bunch of inspirational phrases and then I also fed it just a big repository of stock images. And then I had you push a button on a website and it just sort of took from all those phrases and sort of pieced together its own inspirational phrase with the corresponding picture. I mean, we can look at it right now. Should we take a look at one Inspirobot? Well, yeah, but l- let me qualify that. I, I think what you what you meant, what you were saying was what Spirobot did is randomly not inspirationally, because that's a human emotion. Yes. No, but the th- it randomly put two things together to create this saying, and the humans would look at that and say, "That's inspired." Mm-hmm. When it was really just random. Well, I mean, the thing about Inspirobot is, I would say it's it's like a an AlphaGo version would be like everything is super deep and profound. Inspirobot's relatively low level AI, but there are. Um, you know, you do it 10 or 15 or 20 times, there might be one in there where if you start to think about it, it seems deep. You know, it seems profound. And it's like, you know in your head it's not profound. It's just a program picking words at random. I mean, 
And but you sort of read the quote and you're like, that there's something to that. There's a little bit of wisdom there. And you know that it's not wisdom. It's not human wisdom, and it's not really computer wisdom. It's just random. But sometimes there's creativity and randomness. So I mean, let's just do a quick Inspirobot. It yeah. might be dumb, but so it's this website here, Inspirobot. I am an artificial intelligence dedicated to generating unlimited amounts of unique inspirational quotes for endless enrichment of pointless human existence. <laughs> so it's clearly okay. tongue in cheek. And then you just hit generate and it makes a inspirational phrase. Now, I can't guarantee that this will be inspiring or profound, but sometimes it does. So let's just do one and then move on. Okay. Okay. I don't know. It might do more than one. Disinterested in Silicon Valley? It's probably because of your neighbor. That one doesn't make sense. <laughs> should we should we go until no. we find one that makes sense? <laughs> I mean, you you make people aware that you're living in a surveillance state. <laughs> this this guy coming out of the pool. Pray. Stop worrying. Yeah. I mean that yeah, that could have meaning. Yeah. That could have meaning. People people say that, you know, you pray through. One more. One more. Your experience of the self can feel like self destruction. <laughs> Your experience of this well, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I didn't grow up with poetry. Uh, but I think a lot of times you have to sit and think about some poetry, and that's kind of what this is. Yeah. You were not put on this earth to have faith in a better world. <laughs> that's not what? not particularly inspiring, but I like it. No, that's, that's the opposite, yeah. Some people define true pain as committing a crime and doing it a little different every time. <laughs> we can stop on that one. Oh, boy. So um, well, we, we we know it's random. We know it's random, so we can make fun of it. But what if we didn't know it was Spiralbot, and someone would put that out there, and they would pause and let you think about it, and you would try to put some meaning around it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. And then you put some meaning around something that was that was generated nonsensically. Yeah. Would you put sense around it? So humans can do that. I mean, what if, you know, you had a large Instagram following and you screenshotted this and you posted this to your Instagram account? How would your friends or your fans or whatever interact with it? They'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, the pain is committing a crime and doing it a little different every time. Wow, you're so deep. You know, and it's like, no, a computer just made that. I, I, yeah. I, but I think it's fascinating. It's easy to ascribe creativity to something um, because if a human made that move, they would be creative. So like, we're going back to the movie in Move 37. Uh, move 37 shocked Lee Setal and it, a human wouldn't have made it. And then he got to see like, well, it's all an interconnected web and it was a brilliant move. And, but uh, AlphaGo wasn't making the move to be creative it had come upon the move because it had evaluated probably just about every move that was available. The probability was such that that was the next move. So it wasn't thinking about what move would a human make. It was thinking about what is the probability of the next move uh, where sometimes humans will fall into this, uh, th this human ditch 
of saying this is how we do it. And uh, AlphaGo is saying, no, this is the next probability. I don't care what 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 has been done in the past. This is the next probabilistic uh, advantage of a move. Mm -hmm. So they're just moving in that direction. So it seems intelligent, but they're not trying. Alpha, the, the algorithm is not trying to make an intelligent move. It's making a high probability move. Yeah. That's all it's doing. And they just keep doing that. So we put intelligence, creativity, brilliance onto that. Mm -hmm. And notice they also said they start talking about, they start as, as a machine, and then they start talking about he or she. He's making that move and she's making that move, putting a personality to the machine mm -hmm. because the machine is doing things a human would do, but it doesn't do it the same way a human does it. It's doing it by probability. Yes. And another thing that's interesting, and anyone who's played chess or poker, I've never played Go, so I don't know, but Lee Seytal, um, Alpha Go would make a move, especially in the first game, that would fluster Lee Seytal, and he would look across at the computer programmer who was placing the squares, or Lee Seytal would make a move and look across at the computer programmer for a reaction, but the thing was, he wasn't playing the programmer, and the programmer wasn't choosing where the tiles went, and the programmer didn't have emotions about Lee Seytal's attacks or how Lee Seytal responded to AlphaGo's attacks, the programmer was just doing whatever the computer told him to do. And so it's a distinct, uh, and uh, Fan Hui talked about this, it's very alienating to look across the table at your opponent, you've probably played Go 20, 30, 40,000 hours in your life, and you've always been able to get a read on your opponent and see how they feel about your last move. Um, and you go to get a read, and the guy is just placid waiting for the computer to tell him what to do. I mean, that's got to be a little bit disconcerting. And I don't know. Uh, maybe it was said in the in the movie, but the fourth game that Lisa Dole won, maybe he wasn't. He didn't take his clues from the person. He took his clues from the board, and the moves on the board he saw behind that, uh, the thinking behind it. So uh, and I don't know if that's true or not, or if maybe it was mentioned in the movie or not, but maybe that's what Lisa Dahl did. Mm -hmm. And also and so, in, in game four, so they said move 37 by AlphaGo in game two was a 1 in 10,000 move. But move 78 in game four by Lee Seytal, they said was a 1 in 10,000 move. And that was where the balance tipped and the probability went from... 50-50 to 55-45 in Lee Seytal's favor, AlphaGo started making a few mistakes and Lee Seytal was able to carry it out for the win. And so it was interesting. What actually took him over the top was playing extraordinarily conservative and then making a brilliant move that uh, 9,999 humans would not have seen, you know? So maybe the AlphaGo program was, well, if he doesn't make a perfect move, I win this game. But he made a perfect move. You know what I mean? And so, and the program was like, see, there is weaknesses in AlphaGo. AlphaGo just got beaten by a human. Today. Yep. But the thing of it is, AlphaGo will take that and learn more. Yes. Because they'll see that as part of uh, the uh, the library. And the probabilities now are are improved. And so it is a feedback system. So, yes, if we go quickly to the, um, I'll kill us so we can see. Uh, if we go quickly to the AlphaGo 
Um, it beat Fan Hui, and then it beat Lee Setal in a five-game match. Um, and, of course, it was four games to one. And then uh, the win by AlphaGo was chosen as science as the breakthrough of the year. Uh, Runner-up on 22nd, one of the breakthroughs of the year. Now, in 2017, the master version of AlphaGo beat KG, the number one ranked player in the world at the time, in a three-game match. Um, but after the match between AlphaGo and KG, DeepMind retired AlphaGo. Now, the self-taught AlphaGo Zero. So AlphaGo Master played uh, both Lee Setal and then the Chinese world champion in 2017, the next year. But then they developed AlphaGo Zero. That was the successor to AlphaGo Master. And it achieved a 100-0 victory um, against the early competitive version of AlphaGo. So now Alpha Zero is currently considered the top Go player. It's, it's, I just find it fascinating that they developed a new program. So AlphaGo Master was competing against Lee Setal. AlphaGo Zero beat AlphaGo Master 100 to zero. So now it, it's unlikely that any human would beat AlphaGo Zero. Does it? And I just find that so fascinating that this stuff, it really comes up to speed pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad that they sort of faced off AlphaGo against Lee Setal while the ability for humans to win was still an option. Another perspective is a respect and a thankfulness to Lee Setal to be filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, to play against uh, the machine, the AlphaGo machine, and uh, to be filmed and to give dialogue and soliloquies and describe. And I mean, uh, to me, that that was a very, uh, very strong personality to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, a, and, a, and a thanks to him and a, a recognition uh, of his personality and his character uh, to do that. And uh, he went on and he did what he he lost three times and he didn't give up. Uh-huh. He won the he won the he won the fourth time, and to me that's just that's just uh, uh, I think rather than looking at he lost four times, that he didn't give up and won one. There's a lot of respect for that that type of uh, a person, and, and I, I just a lot of uh, I to, humans need to continue to do that. Whether you win or lose, you just keep trying. Mm-hmm. You keep trying. Keep doing it. But anyway, I, that that's a sideline. Uh, going back to AI and and, uh, and humans, is that uh, it, they do keep getting better. And so, therefore, to me, again, I get back to uh, what issue is there moving forward with AI? Uh, is that it's going to get better? It's going to start moving into different parts of our lives, and we have to understand how to use it, uh, and also how to uh, not misuse it, uh, because uh, we can create machines and then let them go, and they can wreak havoc if we don't think about uh, controlling them, so that only for good is done, and not good and bad. And uh, and we see that all the time now. Uh, uh, technology can do good, and technology can do bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I think 
this is my opinion on AI. I don't know where it will lead, and I know that a lot of people are worried that it will lead down a rabbit hole, which leads to our ruination. And that may or may not be true, but there's no way for us to know. I think that AI right now is making our lives considerably better. A lot of the stuff that I've pulled up during this podcast to provide context, it's powered by algorithms. Um, whether right. it's the IMDb page or the Stephen Hawking's quote or you know the, the Wikipedia page, a lot of that I couldn't find and display on my screen so quickly if it weren't for... AI, like, you know, even if it's Google's search AI, how it iteratively improves how you find web pages easier. That's so I think that while we're at the stage where it's not going to destroy us, we might as well make the most of the fact that it's making our lives easier. <laughs> and I think that it's difficult when you saw Lee Setal or Fon Hui lose to AlphaGo, their feelings were hurt. Because something that was fundamentally human about them, something that they fundamentally valued about themselves and thought that was part of their humanity, was bested by a cold, unthinking machine. And that is going to be sad. Uh, and I think that's going to continue to happen in a lot of walks of life. Now, when that happens, I think you can regroup and say, computers don't care about your feelings. And look at 1997. Deep Blue beat Kasparov. Well, here we are, you know, 25 years later, 24 years later, and you have Magnus Carlsen and Jan Napomnieri and all the great chess players, and they still have captivating matches against each other, and they're ma matching wits against each other. And the crazy thing is those matches are incredible, and they're dramatic, and they're exciting because it's a human playing a human. But if any of those humans played the strongest commercially available chess engine, they would lose. But that doesn't make the chess that they're playing against each other any less exciting. So you could take Serena Williams and construct a 50-foot brick wall at the net, and she might never win a tennis match again. <laughs> you know what I mean? A concave uh -huh. brick wall at the net. Uh, but it'll be still be exciting to watch her play another human. Mm -hmm. And as far as negative things happening from from artificial intelligence, uh, when we see those things happening, well, we can create other AI to counteract those. I mean, like we have automobiles, but uh, in automobiles, we created a steering wheel mm -hmm. <laughs> to guide it. Uh, and uh, we have brakes to stop it. And so you can create other things uh, to control it. Uh, you just have to make sure that uh, you don't let it get out of hand. Now, my question if is, it, if we do AI to do autonomous driving, but we still allow a brake and a steering wheel, and then we run the numbers, and it's, you know, 60% of all accidents were when the user used the brake and steel wheel. 80% of all accidents were when the user got involved and overrid the autonomous system. 99.99% of all accidents are when the user overruled the autonomous system. Will we go get to a point where they say, hey, maybe it's not worth it to have a steering wheel or a brake? Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, well, that's, that's conjecture. Who knows what's mm -hmm. going to happen in the future? Uh, one thing for sure is that the future 
ain't what it used to be. Yeah. Is that a Yogi Berra quote? <laughs> That's a Yogi Berra quote. The great philosopher of the 20th century. I love Yogi Berra. The future ain't what it used to be. That's a Yogi Berra quote. Let's see. You trying, to, you trying to find it? Uh-huh. Good. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I mean, when we start talking about these philosophical things, I'm sure eventually we're going to migrate toward a Yogi Berra quote. Something Yogi Berra said. That's right. Anyway. So the quote uh, investigator says that Yogi in his 1998 book said that he had used that phrase before. But... People have made similar things. Uh, French poet and philosopher said something similar in 1937. So, I mean, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting quip, and Yogi probably said it, and I'm sure that Yogi had no knowledge of the 1937 French poet and philosopher Paul Valéry when he did say it, you know? It's something that you stumble upon, parallel thinking. Well, like, like Yogi said, he says, I didn't say a lot of things they said I said. Mm -hmm. Or I said a lot of things they didn't say I said. I said a lot of things they didn't say I say, but I said I didn't say a lot of things they said I said. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, and it's like it's like Betty White says, uh, "Oh, well, that's what I think." And I was watching a movie. Uh, uh, hot Betty Betty White was saying uh, made a quote, and, and someone challenged her. She says, "Oh, uh, well, that was Winston Churchill's quote." He says, "You're stealing his quote." He says, "You're not stealing it if you were there." <laughs> So, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with borrowing things uh, moving ahead because it fits. Mm -hmm. It fits. And he, he's right. And whether he borrowed it or he came up with it himself, he could have come up with it himself. But uh, because uh, logic and uh, logic is, uh, is not new. Mm -hmm. uh, there's people will come up with things on their own. So someone's already said that. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, I can't think. Anyway, uh, so I guess we're getting off the track here a little bit. But anyway, uh, but it is true. We're talking about human uh, and AI in the future. This week, we're going to be doing AI Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm looking forward to it. Uh -huh. I don't know exactly what the Wednesday and Friday shows will be, but I think we can wrap up this one. I, I do think that it's a great movie directed by Greg Coase. Uh, sort of funded by DeepMind itself. So it was sort of like a self-promotional um, self-promotional video for their technology, right? But it plays like a sports movie, don't you think? It, it does. It was exciting. Well, they went crazy in, in uh, South Korea. Uh, they were very, very much into Go. Uh, it's an Asian game, and... Uh, Everyone in the Asian continent, Asian uh, theater, really, really loved Go. And I can see why. It's a fascinating game. Mm -hmm. And they had children playing it. They had everyone playing it on the streets and everywhere. Yeah. Well, I th also think, okay, it's Moxie Pictures and Real as Dirt. I know that it's on the DeepMind YouTube page if you want to see the whole movie ad-free. It's there. Um, but I will say, for a movie about artificial intelligence in a game that I've never played... Credit to the Moxie Pictures, Real as Dirt, and director Greg Coe for making an hour and 30-minute documentary that completely held my interest and sort of really exposed some questions about AI 
in a very layman-friendly way, like, what does it mean to be human? Or what do we value in ourselves that will be replaced by computers in the near future? And I think those are questions you ask yourself when you watch a movie like this. And you see this team of computers, and I pointed this out yesterday, I want to sort of... Google was, I mean, DeepMind, who developed AlphaGo, was purchased by Google for half a billion dollars. And it was clear to me that a lot of those DeepMind people were absolute geniuses, genius programmers, genius engineers. So you had a team of genius programmers, genius engineers, working together, a team of 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Um, the whole intellectual thrust of a half a billion dollar company basically devoting their entire time for months and months and months and months to develop this program using the world's most advanced and sophisticated computers, the world's most advanced and sophisticated program techniques and algorithms. Um, a half a billion dollar company and all of its personnel focused on one goal, just to beat one man in a game. <laughs> and so what does that say about how good that man was at that game? right i agree with you i agree with you yeah they and they did beat him but uh, he also won the fourth game uh but the point is it takes it takes that to artificially create what a human can do mm -hmm. so i think that our identity uh can be uh artificially created are artificially discovered, but it can't be can't be replaced. Yeah, because there are things that it cannot do. It can't feel. It can't it can't do a lot of human emotions. Uh, it can mimic them, but they're not real. Yep, we are real, and computers are fake. The end. No. Um... <laughs> you tell him, David. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I see that a lot of things that we hold dear, I, I see one thing that this movie sort of impressed upon me is a lot of the things that we value in ourselves that we think makes us special, computers will do better. And that's a scary thought, but that doesn't make us any less human. That's well said, well said. And that's true in, in this gaming, sports, games, but also in life, mm -hmm. in life. Uh, each person is special. Each person has gifts, has talents, uh, but each person also has weaknesses and failures. And uh, the humanity of a person should be celebrated no matter what it is, because we are each one of us is unique and each one of us is special. So I think that uh, we're part of a whole, but also we're a very important part of a whole. Mm -hmm. So with that, I think I'll play the outro music. Um, today's okay. episode has been about AlphaGo, Movie Monday, a part of AI Week. Please subscribe or like the podcast here on YouTube or subscribe to it anywhere you get your podcasts. Amazon, Apple, Google, Stitcher, all of those platforms. We are Sons of Sequoia, S-E-Q-U-O-Y-A-H, like the person, not the tree. And is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Sons of Sequoia always says keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying.